Hallelujah. Well, good evening, beloved. Uh, thank you so much for the worship tonight. We so enjoyed that wherever the worship team are. Magnificent, just beautiful to be able to meet with Jesus. How good is it to be able to freely come together and worship Jesus? You know, I've been in nations where you, you have to hide to do it behind double walls. And, um, and we can just freely, openly love Jesus and proclaim the good news of the gospel. Let's never forget that. Uh, we are so grateful. I want to uh, thank Liam and Shen and the whole team for having us here. It's a, a joy to be here at Glory City Melbourne. Uh, we've just had Liam up in Brisbane for the Glory City Network conference, and he was wonderful. Oh, it just adds so much. So you are, you are in safe and wise hands here at Glory City in Melbourne. And we are, we're so grateful to be running with you guys. Delightful. And a joy to be with Chris. This is a, like a double treat. We got to meet Chris for the first time in Brisbane and we discovered he speaks our language with a slightly different accent, but he speaks our language in terms of uh, righteousness and the gospel and the good news of Jesus. And we found like we found an, another brother brother from another mother. Hallelujah. And uh, so it's just, and then getting to do some uh, more this weekend with you. What a joy. This is fun. Hallelujah. And um, Tom sends his love. He is traveling with me most places now, which is really wonderful because my son has now graduated school and he is in the academy. So uh, we feel a little more free to be able to to travel, um, but uh, we can't go everywhere, so he sends his love. And while we're talking about honour, uh, Liam was so kind today, saying that he loves the empowering culture that we've built. But really, it's been my husband empowering me that has taught me what empowerment looks like. And so I, I only told you know, yeah, hallelujah. Uh, so tonight, we get to come around the word of the Lord. Let's just pray. Papa, we love you. Yeah, we love Tom too. Yes, I love Tom. But Father, we love you. God, we worship you. Lord, you are our heart's desire. And we, we come to you aware of our deep need for you. That you are our ever-present help in time of need. And God, our time of need is all the time. And so, Father, we open up our hearts knowing you are our constant source to fill us to overflowing. We ask, God, that you'd strengthen us with might in our inner being, that we may truly come to know Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend, together with all the saints, what is the height and the depth and the width and the breadth, the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that we may be filled up to overflowing with all his fullness. Father, we thank you now unto you who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, hope, or imagine. To you be glory in the church in Christ Jesus. To all generations and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. How great is our God, our wonderful Jesus. Are you happy? Yes. If you're not, God knows exactly where you're at and he knows exactly how to comfort you. That's what I love about him. He... I never, have to, I never have to explain myself, though I'm a verbal processor and I have discovered the safest place to do all my verbal processing is with the Lord first. But, you know, even with my very best friends, I have to catch them up with where I'm up to and why I'm thinking and what I'm thinking and what's going on. But with the Lord, I come to him and he knows everything and likes me anyway. And I'm so complicated and he gets me. Hooray! It's just, it's, it's the thing we all dreamt of. Perfect love. Perfect love that's perfect all the time. That we don't have to work for, we don't have to explain ourselves. He just knows and he loves us and he's with us. He's our perfect companion. Hallelujah. Our delight. So we're so excited. We've just been... Um, uh, busy, we've been in a busy season. We are um, just excited about the good things and the opportunities that God's been giving us. I've been 
prophesying and declaring and decreeing over my life the promises of God for a long time. And many, many years ago, the Lord talked to me and um, just spoke to me personally that we'd be on TV, I'd be on TV preaching all over the world. And this is long before I had even started a church. But I began to just declare and agree with God, okay. It started with a a TV ad. There was an old Sony TV ad and a guy was fly fishing in his boat and he put a big TV in his boat and turned the TV on and there was a dragonfly on the screen. And all of a sudden, all the fish started jumping out of the, the river into the boat toward the TV, to the dragonfly, until he had to turn the TV off because the boat was overflowing with fish. And the Lord, this is... I don't know, 18 years ago. Anyone remember that ad? (gasps) Look, it was, wow. It was very impacting. But every time I would see this ad, um, the Lord would speak to me. He'd say, I'm going to do a new thing, Catherine, where you're not going to just be catching them by hand one by one. You're going to see them come in en masse through the television. I'm going to use you like a dragonfly. And so I started, first I thought, well, who should I give that word to, Lord? And the Lord just kept saying, it's you. Stop giving away what I'm trying to give to you. And so I started to come into agreement with the Lord. You know, the the Bible tells us that all of his promises are yes and amen. But the prophetic words, the the promises of God are invitations waiting for our response. And so God's waiting for us to come into agreement with what he says. So he was telling me this, so I began to declare it in faith. I'm on television all over the world. The Bible says, call those things that be not as though they are. This is what God does, right? God, who calls those things that be not as though they are, he created us in his image, so we get to behave like God. So he wants us to call those things that be not as though they already are. So I just started saying, I'm on TV all over the world. Well, praise the Lord for the last nine months. We've been on Daystar going to 200 countries around the world. Hallelujah. It's on Sunday mornings here if you've got Foxtel. And, um, and now we are hoping and believing for the Lord to help us to be able to begin to translate into Spanish and Farsi and Arabic and Russian. Uh, so we, we are so grateful to the Lord. But I am just getting ready soon to release a book um, called Speak Life based on this very principle that we begin to call those things that be not as though they are, begin to declare things, not out of a religious ritual, but out of a deep conviction that the Father who loves us is waiting for us to respond to his divine invitations and to begin to uh, declare, to speak life. I've seen it happen in so many ways and in so many wonderful things. People say, how did this all, how does all this happen for you? And, you know, I believe just as we begin to become like little children and begin to receive in faith and and begin to agree with heaven, Uh, God comes and he who has promised it will also do it. When you start to align yourself with what God's saying, he's not waiting for you to wait and see what happens. He's waiting for you to actively come into agreement and see it uh, released on earth. He's given us the keys of the kingdom, right? So he says, yes, he says, yes. Yes, yes, this is what I want. And we get to say, Amen. Yes. So be it on the earth. Hallelujah. Right. So this is coming out in June, July. It hasn't, um, hasn't been released yet. So have a look uh, on Amazon. And I'm, I'm going to bring my other books tomorrow. I forgot. I got busy. But they're arriving tomorrow. Pastor Daniel is coming for the day. He just wants to come and say hello to Gory City, Melbourne, and see how you're all doing. Um, so uh, that's coming up tomorrow. And for those of you who saw, um, someone mentioned to me the other day that the podcasts had not been uploading for the last couple of weeks. Well, that, that problem's been fixed. So you can follow us uh, on the podcast each week and um, on live stream. Give me a wave if you do listen to the podcasts or the YouTube videos. Yeah, very good. Well, um, we're so grateful for what the Lord's doing. and the opportunity to get the word out as far as we can because we know it's truth that sets people free, knowing that truth. Hallelujah. And Jesus is the truth. He's a person. 
and as we begin to talk about him and the truth of the gospel of what Jesus Christ has done, we've seen so many people get gloriously set free and hearing amazing testimonies of miracles, signs and wonders and people walking in, in joyous freedom. Who knows that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, not judgment, shame and condemnation. Hooray, hooray. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. When you understand that you have become the righteousness of God in Christ, only then can you actually experience perfect peace. Because without knowing you're righteous, you're going to be afraid that someday the axe is going to fall. Someday, you, you, you know, you're going to have to face punishment for what you've done. But when you know you've, your sins have actually been completely cancelled, wiped away, and he has made you new from the inside out, that he looks at you and says, you are as righteous as God. I'm just going to let that drop there for a minute. Oh, hang on, hang on. No, 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 not that righteous. Well, the Bible says that God is light, right? Light can have no fellowship with darkness. We are called to be the body of Christ. So we can't be joined to God and have any darkness at all. The Bible also says that we're not supposed to be unequally yoked, right? Well, and the father wouldn't unequally yoke his son with anyone that was less than compatible. But we've been made into the bride of Christ. Hallelujah. The bride has to be compatible with the son, which is the joy that was set before him when he endured the cross. He was like, yes, I'm going to get a bride, a people who are, who are going to be able to be fully qualified to be joined to me. When we understand what's happened at the cross, the goodness of God, how he has given us a new heart, a clean heart. He's made the crooked places straight. Hallelujah. We get to uh, recognize that I am, I am fully qualified to be at rest in him, to be joined to him. I, I don't have to worry when I go to pray for somebody. Am I, am I okay? Am I in a good enough place? But we can remind ourselves, thank you, Lord. It's not by works, lest anyone should boast. But by grace I'm saved through faith. And that salvation means I have been set free from me. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I just love the way you say, I'm not, I'm not a believer, I'm a believer. I think that's so, so brilliant because praise the Lord, we don't, even if our hearts condemn us, it says in 1 John 3, he's greater than our hearts. And then if, I have, if, if my heart doesn't condemn me, it goes on to say that I have confidence before God and whatever I ask, I receive. So my next book is on freedom and what it really looks like to walk in righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Well, number six, who knows the beautiful um, blessing, ironic blessing in number six? Anybody? Yevarekakad, Naivishmerekakad. Oh, no, I won't make you say it in Hebrew. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. You know, it's such a stunning, amazing, beautiful prayer. And this, as I, there's so much in it, and I won't preach on this tonight because I could spend a whole night just sharing about the goodness of God in that amazing blessing. And interestingly, you know, the priests are only allowed to give it if they are happy. They're not allowed to give it in a mourning period. If they're in mourning, they're not allowed to release the blessing because people want to, he, what, uh, God wanted the people to see a reflection of a happy face. Hallelujah. But this, this thought of the Lord lifting up his countenance upon us is such a stunning thought. I heard Charles Stock share on it once and... He was saying that in the 1500s there were a whole bunch of 
rabbis discussing theology. I love to discuss theology. We were having some theological discussion over dinner and with interesting questions. And I mean, I, we can go for hours and hours and hours talking theology because I just love to find out more about Jesus. So I was telling them I'm studying Isaiah at the moment just to study the messianic prophecies about Jesus. Just so beautiful. But they were talking and they were discussing among themselves, how could God, who is most high, lift up his countenance upon anybody? And they're all like, hmm, this is an interesting question. How could God, who is above all, lift up his face, his countenance on anybody? And all of a sudden, the door creaked open and a little two-year-old son of one of the rabbis ran into the room. And instinctively, the rabbi bent down, picked his two-year-old up and lifted him up like this and said, my son, my son. And then suddenly all the rabbis went, oh, this is the picture. God lifts us up and he looks at us. He lifts up his countenance upon us. He gets delight in the idea that the same works that Jesus did and greater works will we do because he is the ultimate empowerer. He is the one that delights us to, do, to see us do greater works than he did when he walked the earth. Ah, what a stunning thought. This is how God feels about us. This is his heart toward us. It's not a reward we get for being good. It's, it's the desire of a father's heart for every child that he has. Hallelujah. But, uh, you know, I believe we've got to begin to understand that the heart of the father is to call out the gold in us. I was a high school music and drama teacher. We got any teachers in the room? God bless you. Good thing one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience, long suffering. Hallelujah. <laughs> and um, I had a year nine drama class, and it was in a pretty rough school. And I was fresh out of college, 21. And we had, um, I came in after lunch one day, and there was one boy that spent most of his time in most of the other classes up at the office because he was the troublemaker of the school. His older brother was in jail for drug charges. He was just, he was, a, he was a handful. Anyway, I walked into the classroom that day and he was climbing the glass louvers. He was climbing the glass louvers and he was just raving about how much he hated the librarian and what he was gonna do to her intestines after he killed her and like it was like, was like oh and I, I was like oh Dean honey get down and the, the, the kids tried to say miss he's high and I went I know sweet honey that was cool and you know it 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 was a he was not he was not your ideal pupil but I did notice that he had a flair for the dramatic. And so I gave him the lead role in the class play. And it was like an overnight change happened in him. I walked in the next day and for the whole rest of the term, he was there, first there. He would be sitting right in front of me, full attention. Anyone was talking, he'd say, shh, be quiet, Mrs. Talking. And I watched this kid that spent most of his life at the office where everyone expected he'd just follow in his older brother's footsteps. I watched him blossom and do so brilliantly. And the Lord just began to speak to me and just remind me, you know, that the way that we look at people lets them see who God is. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, what you believe is how you behave. And, and so we have to be really careful 
to consider what, is, what do we believe about ourselves. You know, as Christians, the Bible says, it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. I mean, well, that's enough. If you only had one verse in the Bible, that's enough. Like, think about that for a moment. It's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. Have you ever heard the parable of the talents? One guy was given five talents. Someone else was given two talents. Another guy was given one talent, right? What did the guy with five talents do? He doubled it. I'm going to talk to you. I like you. What's your name? William, I like you. You, you should sit in the front row. <laughs> he doubled it. He stewarded it really well. He put it to use, right? And when the master came back, he was like, well done. And he gave him a whole bunch more. Put, you put him in charge of all these cities. This, the next guy who got two talents, what did he do? He doubled it. He, he put it to use. He stewarded it really well. And he was, the master came back. He was really pleased with him. He gave him so much more. And then there was the other guy that got one talent. What did he do with it? He buried it in the backyard, really. And, oh, who knows where he buried it? Technically, we don't know. But he did bury it. And, um, and the master wasn't pleased. But I look at it like this and I think, well, I haven't been given five talents or two talents or one talent. I've been given the Son of God. What am I going to do with the Son of God? If it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me, and that has happened not by anything I've done, but by simply humbling myself and receiving what I can have no part in earning, simply trusting that He is better than I feel like I deserve, receiving Christ by faith, Christ, not a little bit of Christ, Christ dwells in me. He says, the same works that I do and greater shall you do. Like, this is a big talent. We have no, we have no right to bury it. We have, God wants us to be dreaming Jesus-sized dreams. Amen? He wants us to be doing exceedingly abundantly Above all we can ask, hope, or imagine. But the, so, so that's the truth about us. The Bible tells us that um, in the book of James, chapter 1, that um, if any man's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who's looked at his natural face in the mirror and then walked away and forgot what he looked like. I used to read that verse and get condemned. I'd be like, I could probably say that I don't do all of the works of Jesus all the time. So that's probably me. And I'd be like, that's try harder. I have to try harder. I have to try harder. But this is not what that verse says. It says, if any man's a hearer of the word and not a doer, that's a doer of all the works in the word. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, all the stuff. Greater works than Jesus. Is anyone here not doing all of that all the time? I've got great news for you. It's not that you are in process to one day getting all the keys so that you'll be able to be qualified to do it. It's not that you should be trying harder. It's not that you're missing something or lacking something that you need to get. The Bible tells us if any man's a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's because he's looked at himself in the mirror and then walked away and forgot what he actually looks like. In other words, you've forgotten your identity. You've forgotten what you look like. You've looked at your natural face, that is the true state of who you are, and you've looked at yourself and you've walked away and then forgotten what you actually look like. 
It tells us similar things in Second Peter chapter one. You can go there if you like. Who likes the Bible? I love the Word of God. It's so delicious. Shaka basanda. I don't have my paper Bible. Hallelujah. So I'm hoping my. Who can read it for me? No, don't. I will find it. It'll come. Come, Shababa. It's coming. Hallelujah. Nearly. Second Peter chapter 1 just gives you time to actually find it while my iPad starts to work properly. Hallelujah. Grace and peace to you. I know how, that's how it starts. Ah, oh, give me a Bible. <laughs> oh, no, here it is. It's come. That's all right. Happy day. It's okay. Thank you, Lord. Second Peter chapter 1. Start at verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things, say all, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So through knowing who he is, through intimate acquaintance with him, the more we discover about him, the more we discover the truth of who we are. Hallelujah. He has given us... Oh, I did. I dropped this microphone. Sorry about that. Big problem. Praise the Lord. I thought something was funny. Sorry, it's, it's rolling around like a tail. Hallelujah. I'll give it back to you. Oh, you did. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, grace and peace be um, multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him all things and it's come through access to knowing what he's like he's given us everything we need for godliness what's godliness? what's godliness? Behaving like God. Everything we need to behave like God. And for life, everything we need to do it here on earth has been given to us through, and it's accessed through knowing Him. Not through cerebral knowledge, but through experiencing, looking at Him. He is the mirror. Hallelujah. We all with unveiled faces behold as in our Mirror the glory of the Lord. And the more we look, the more we discover the truth about who we are. Hallelujah. And as we look at him, we, we grow in the, in the discovery of the, the, all that has been given to us. We are just like him. Hallelujah. And then he goes on and he says, um, and he talks about these exceedingly great and precious promises that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Hooray! And then he goes on and he says, and, and for this very reason, because you've been given all of this, make every effort to add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge and knowledge self-control. And then you think, that's a bit confusing. Why do we have to add all this stuff if we've been given everything? It's a lot like he's laid a banqueting table before us in the presence of our enemies. Has anyone ever been to a buffet? It's there. But you could go to the buffet and if you don't actually get up and eat, you get no benefit from it. He's laid it all out there. So he's saying now, go and try the salmon. It's amazing. Go and try this. This, Did you see that? Yeah, I hope you didn't miss that. That is worth having. He's saying, make every effort to avail yourself of everything I've made available to you. And then he says this fascinating thing in, in verse 9. He who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. In other words, if you're not displaying all the virtues of God, everything that relates to being godly, 
If you're not doing all the works of Jesus, if you're not manifesting all the fruit of the Spirit all of the time, it's not because you're a bad person that's still got a long way to go. It's not because you're a hypocrite. It's not because you're a bad Christian. The Bible tells us it's because you've forgotten. You've forgotten that you've been cleansed, that you're not that person anymore. Hallelujah. Oh, that's happy news, right? So we need to remember the truth about who we are because when we believe it as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's like Mark says, if you misdiagnose yourself as a sinner, you'll mistreat yourself as such. If you believe yourself to be a sinner, you'll sin by faith. That's true. But if you believe yourself to be made in the image of God, having been given already, not working to achieve it, but being given everything pertaining to life and godliness, and you wake up in the morning and say... Oh, I just want to look at your face. You make your face shine on me. And you are so gracious to me. Yes, God, I love you. Thank you. Everything you, I love about you now is true about me because of the gift of salvation. Hooray. Thank you, Jesus. You look in the mirror. And then, having looked in the mirror, you remember what you look like. Then, when the enemy comes and tempts you, it's like, I don't do that anymore. I don't need that because I got this. This is who I am. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We'll talk some more about that in a minute. But knowing this truth, we then have the power to begin to understand what it looks like to apply this reality in our lives. The Bible tells us that on the cross... Jesus' side was split open and blood and water flowed. You know, the only other time I really think about blood and water flowing is birth. Anyone ever had a baby? Well, you know, there's a show. There's blood comes first and then the waters break, right? Ladies, I'm sorry to be, I'm sorry to be so graphic, guys, but it's the truth. Out of the, <laughs> Andrew knows. <laughs> blood and water. And it was blood and water that flowed out of the side of Christ. When the Lord made Eve, where did he take her out of? Adam's side, right? Jesus' side was pierced. Blood and water flowed. A new bride was birthed. Hallelujah. And anyone now who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ is born again, flesh of his flesh. We're born again as new creations, clean, holy, with a new identity. As you, as you study the atonement in Isaiah, it says he was wounded for our, he was bruised for our, he was, the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. Fourfold atonement. It's glorious. He's borne our sorrows. But you know, um, crookedness is the actual translation of iniquities. He wasn't just, he wasn't wounded just, he was wounded for our sins, transgressions, but he was bruised for our iniquities, which in the Hebrew is crookedness. Everything about us that was crooked, he was bruised for, so that we would have our crooked places made straight. I was in the little prayer room out here at Hello. Did I do something bad? Hallelujah. Praise. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. It's coming. There's check, a new one check. coming. Yeah, yeah. Check, check. Let every yeah, yeah, yeah. heart. Yeah, yeah. Shabbat. And this one too. Magic. Hello. No, brilliant. Well done. So back to blood and water flow. We become new creations. And the, the fourfold atonement, our crookedness was taken away. He made our crooked places straight. Anyone ever heard Handel's Messiah? And they sing, 
all the passages from Isaiah about the crooked places being made straight and the rough places being made straight, uh, um, being made plain. Everything about you that was crooked and rough and wrong when you are born again is transformed to be exactly like him. 1 John 4.17, we've been saying it all weekend. As he is, so are we in this world. We can have boldness on the day of judgment because we know, we're not going to get up there and he's going to say, not going to say, well, you're like this, you're like this, you did this, you did this. He's going to look at you and say, as he is, so are you. That's so happy. Hallelujah. It's the truth about, it's the truth about us. And when we believe it, we start to walk in it. We start to receive it. The Bible says that, so if, as he is, so are we in this world. The Bible tells us that God is love. What's God like? If you actually get excited about the reality that it's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you and you want to look in the mirror, looking in the mirror means discovering what is like. Because every discovery about what is like is the truth about you. So that's why I love the word of God so much. It's like, whoa, call me vain, but the mirror is magnificent. Like, whoa, the more I discover, the more I find out about the, what I look like. I'm not ugly and have a big nose. I'm loved. I'm beautiful. I'm, I'm, well, look, let's look what I, I am. He says, God is love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It keeps no record of wrongs. It's long-suffering. It, it doesn't rejoice with evil. It rejoices with the truth. This is the truth about who I am. If God is love, then you could easily read it. God is patient. God is kind. He's, he's not trying to be kind. It's actually, he is the very definition of love. He is patience personified. Now, as he is, so guess what that means? I am patience personified. I am kindness personified. I am as kind as it gets. I am the definition of kindness. I'm all about the therefores of what we believe. Because seriously, we believe a whole lot of stuff, but we fail to apply it in a practical way. If we believe it, we must also believe what the application is. If the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world, that he is love, that he is patience and kindness personified, then you must also believe that you are, therefore, not by your works, but by the gift of God, your definition, your identity is, you are kindness personified. Imagine if you dwelt on that, fed on that, thought about that in the morning when you got up. What would you manifest? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's why when I go to him and he, he, he's so kind, he still surprises me with his kindness. I remember when I wrote my first book, Living in the Miraculous, and I had I'd been believing and declaring it was going to be a bestseller because God had dropped that in my heart. I'd been, I'd been working on it for years and I'd been working with a publishing company for like nine months, I've been given this amazing publishing deal and I was still fairly new um, on, the, on the international scene, but they believed that I was going to be the, an emerging uh, voice and so they gave me this wonderful deal. And, and then this guy rang me up. I was in America. He was a, uh, one of the people that worked for the publishing company. And he just started asking me casually about what I was doing, you know, what where I was going, what I was doing, where I was preaching. And as an Aussie, I just, I just undersold it. You know, we're not real good at blowing our own trumpet, if you want to say. So I just said, oh, yeah, I've been doing a couple of things, did this and did that. And then I got an email the next day that said, we've decided to cancel your contract. Please return your, uh, your advance. And I was like, What? And I sent him an email back saying, I've just announced on television in three different continents that the book's coming out in April. And I waited three days. Like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. 
three days later, I got a phone call from the, the CEO of the company saying, you didn't tell us that you'd been on TV on three different continents. We're so sorry. Mrs. Ronaldo, we really do want your book. And, and uh, can you tell us everything you're doing? And so I spent the next 20 minutes telling them everything I was doing. I'm preaching here, I'm preaching here, I'm preaching here, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And then I got off the phone. I was like, oh, no. Oh, I felt really uncomfortable about that. I think I'm on the slippery slope of self-promotion. Oh, God, pride comes before a fall. Oh, God, I don't want to go. I don't, I don't want to spoil everything. I know you know. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I don't want to be proud. I'm really, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. For 20 minutes, I talked to the Lord about this. I was like, <laughs> Then I sat down after I did all my verbal processing. And the Lord spoke to me. And he said, you're kind. I was so confused. I was like, what? What does that have to do with the slippery slope of self-promotion, God, and the, the dangerous water I'm sailing into? But he didn't say anything. He just left it there. You're kind. I sat in this rocking chair and thought about that. I went, that is so like you, God. That is so like you. I come to you and I'll tell you all the things that are worrying me, I'll bring to you all the things, I'll talk to you about the stuff, and then you'll just remind me of the truth about who I am. He wasn't telling me that I was kind because I had behaved in a kindly manner or that I had suddenly deserved that compliment. It was him just trying to remind me, hey, peace, this is the truth about you. And this is the way he's always speaking to us. And you know what? When we start to get a revelation like that and we come into agreement with how he feels about us, the Bible says we're to love others as we love ourselves. If you're harsh on yourself and hard on yourself all the time, always criticizing, always judging yourself, how are you going to love others? I feel sorry for others. Because with the level that you will come into agreement about what God thinks about you is the cap you put on your ability to love anyone else. If you won't agree with God that you are kindness personified, that you are pure, you're righteous, you're holy, you're clean, you're absolutely as righteous as God, then everyone you interact with, you will view them with the same lens and with the same love you have for yourself. If it is limited, if it is colored, if it is judgmental, with the measure that you measure to yourself, you'll measure to everybody else. But if instead you'll just surrender... And trust, even if my heart condemns me, you're greater than my heart. Hooray, I will trust your, I will trust your word above any feeling of condemnation that might try to come my way. This is the truth. I'm going to look in your mirror. I'm going to let you make your face shine on me. Have you ever seen someone trying to make a baby smile? I've been doing it to Aya. I, I, she... You look at her and, and, you, and you just begin to go, you're so lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she bursts into a big smile because they respond to what they're seeing. This is what God does when he makes his face shine on us. He comes to us and goes, You're lovely. You're so lovely. we like, Oh, can't handle anymore. And he says, Yes, you can't get. Ask for strength from the Holy Ghost so you can handle the love that I want to pour into you right now. It's true. It's intense, I tell you. I should be preaching number six. It's just so fun. I'll do it. And one day, one day. But this reality about how he feels about us, if we'll just surrender to that truth, we will be empowered then to love everybody else. And the world needs to see a God who truly, truly loves them. It's the goodness and kindness of God that leads us to repentance. I just want to close with this. You know, my eldest, I've got three beautiful children. Hallelujah. Um, one, my eldest now is 25. My middle daughter is 22 and Joseph's 18. And, um, and they're all still at home. Hallelujah. And they all come to church. And oh, it's just beautiful. 
But there was a time when my um, eldest daughter, Jessica, when she was 16, she broke her heart um, in that she'd been a model child for you know, most of her life and then she got to high school and started getting a bit picked on and things just didn't seem to go well and then we started homeschooling and then one day um, Tom, who's a consul, my husband who's a consul, um, took her on, uh, to one of the uh, consular events and they invited the army into the VIP tent and two guys took a bet on who could get her phone number. She was just 16. And unbeknownst to, to us, one of these guys did, and much older. And one day, she just disappeared. And we didn't have a clue where she went. It was probably almost two months. The police couldn't find her. We didn't know anything. And just about killed me. Just, it was like... And then um, we found out she was with this man who was in and out of army jail. It was like, ah, the nightmare was just beyond my ability to cope. And, um, I mean, we have a whole story. In fact, the beautiful story is that now Jessica wants to write a book with me uh, on this whole journey. And it's astonishing what the Lord did. But, and um, one night... Uh, Years, it, was, it, was, it wasn't a quick fix. Um, it was three years. But then finally when she did come home, um, she came home soon after uh, a young couple from our church because during that time, when she, had dis when she disappeared, I just was like, God, I'm dropping everything. I'm giving everything up. I'm not qualified for ministry. If I can't look after my house, I'm not qualified for ministry. And the Lord took me chapter and verse to where Jesus heard the bad news about John the Baptist. And Jesus went to withdraw and then he saw all the people and he had compassion on them. And the Lord spoke to me so specifically. He said, I want you to have compassion on the people. I want you to feed the people. I'm so grateful because I would have just spent three years in depression. Instead, I saw three years where I saw more young people come into my church calling me mama than I could ever have imagined. Our church tripled in size during that time. It was mostly people Jessica's age. But, you know, as we, as we progressed, some, one of this young couple went on a prayer drive and um, they found Jessica, not knowing who she was. The Lord said, go and pray for her. Nine o'clock that night, and I, I didn't know anything about it, but I suddenly felt this intercession come on me. I had to go into my room and intercede for her to find out that... Um, they went to, to go and pray for her and they thought, oh no, it's late at night, we don't want to scare her. They kept driving, came back, found out she'd moved, she'd gone. She'd jumped into a girlfriend's car and gone around the block. So the Holy Spirit gave them directions to where she was. And then they just went and prophesied over her and her friend and it was such an amazing experience. She called me and said, Mom, guess what just happened? And I asked them where they went to church and they said, Glory City Church. So she ended up coming home, and there's much to this story, but it wasn't the prodigal returning that I'd expected. I thought everything would, you know, just turn around, just like the prodigal son, everything. But it wasn't. She came home, and she still had funny attitudes and was still wearing clothes I didn't approve of and doing things I didn't approve of, and I tried to be nice. Hey, honey, hey. And I'm thinking in my head, I wish you wouldn't have that attitude. I don't like what you're doing. I don't like what you're saying. But hey, how are you? She'd look at me and say, stop thinking about that. Stop thinking that, about that about me. I'd be like, oh, no. Prophetic children, you know, so hard. And I was like, oh, I feel like if I'm, I didn't know how to deal with this. She was now 19, 20, adult child. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I feel like if I don't disapprove, I'm going to be seen to be approving. And then the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to begin to look at her like I look at you. I want you to begin to see her as though she was already saved, as though she's already worshipping God, as though she's already doing all the things that I've dreamt of her doing. I want you to treat her like that. I want you to treat her like a sister in Christ that you really respect. And I thought, oh, it's hard, God, you know, because if she feels like I 
think that about her, she might not realize that I disapprove of the bad stuff. So I needed some help. And the Lord gave me a dream that night. And in the dream, um, I was taking Jessica to the doctor. And I said, uh, in the dream, I was like, take her to the doctor to get the doctor to fix her. And the doctor came out and he just gave her all these presents, like this huge pile of presents and gave them to her. And I looked at the doctor and was like, what are you doing? And the doctor looked at me and he said, you don't know how special she is. And I woke up and I went, Holy Spirit, help. He said, you know what that means. He just gave me permission to lavishly love her and not judge her. And so I just began to truly imagine and treat her and think about her as though she was already pure and holy and walking with God and loving Jesus and serving him. I began to talk to her as though she was already saved. And immediately we saw a change in her heart. You see, when you judge somebody, they put up a wall to protect themselves. But when you start to believe and call those things that be not as though they are, they have the capacity to begin to come, come in close. And now we've seen just such a radical shift, a radical change in her life. And the Lord just began to speak to me. He said, your thoughts define her. Because at that time, she didn't have a relationship with God. She knew I knew God. She believed in God. But I was the only representation. Us, her family, were the representation of God to her. And she felt God was judging her because we were judging her. You know, I learned a great lesson. It's the goodness and kindness of God that leads us to repentance. That if we will trust him to do whatever work needs to be done in their hearts, to bring them to the place of surrendering to him and instead just give the, take on the role of making our face shine on them, of looking at them and loving them, of giving the love of God, then we can allow them to experience who he is. You see, the prodigal son came home because he said in his heart, my father is a good man. And he, he didn't know, though, how good his father was. He thought he might at least give him a job. But you see, the world needs to know that God is a good God so that they'll begin to approach, so that they can discover that he's better than they ever imagined. Hallelujah. And the father is waiting. He's just waiting for the, the minutest move toward home. And he runs towards us, wraps his arms around us, kisses us, qualifies us. And makes no mention of our past sins. Hallelujah. The truth about God. And the truth about us. The world's waiting to see it. We're entering into a season of harvest. Like beyond what we have imagined. I tell you. God is using anybody. Who will just open their hearts. And begin to love enough. To let the good news be released to the world around them. The fish are jumping into the boat, and I believe we're about to see it come en masse like we've never seen before. Amen. But the way they'll come is through a revelation of the goodness of the Father. And that will only happen when we ourselves as believers come into agreement with the truth about what he says about us. Let's pray. Oh, Papa, you are our delight. Father, I thank you that you're better than we feel like we deserve. You're better than we feel like anyone deserves. You are, you are goodness personified. And Father, I thank you that you are love. Love is patient, love is kind. It keeps no record of wrongs. Lord, I thank you that's the truth about you. And Lord, for us who believe in you, now it is the truth about us. Lord, you've given us the capacity to love to be love personified. Father, I do ask that you'd strengthen each one here with might in, by your Holy Spirit in their inner man, that they would truly come to have a revelation of who you are in them, that you look at them and love them, that they would experience the height, the depth, the width and the breadth of your great love for them, that they would be filled overflowing with all your fullness, that they would remember every day. They'd be reminded every day as they look in your word, as they look at your face, 
they'd be reminded that you're not looking at them angry. You're looking at them and loving them. You're looking at them and trying to provoke in them the joy of your presence. Papa, we thank you for revelation. Spirit of wisdom and revelation, enlighten the eyes of our understanding and the knowledge of you. We want to know you every day. God, you're the glory and the lifter of our heads. Let them open their eyes in faith and see your shining face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's because of this magnificent revelation that we see God do incredible things. We've just recently been in Vietnam in December where we saw 1,550 people come to Christ for the first time. Hallelujah. In a closed country, we saw three people who were completely crippled, atrophied muscles that had just wasted away, get up and walk as their muscles regrew as they got up. Never seen it before in my life. The mute speaking, the blind seeing. We saw eight or nine blind eyes open. I got to pray for one of those. God just did it because... He wants to reveal to the world that he is a good, good father. He's such a good father. You know, I believe as this revelation is impacting and manifesting in the, the lives of the believers, the whole earth has been groaning and waiting for the day that the sons and the daughters of God would begin to realize that they actually are. They, as they begin to awaken to the truth of who they are, creation is groaning and waiting in eager anticipation for this day. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is moving. There, there is a divine acceleration that people have said, oh, if only we could get back to the book of Acts. God is about to take us so far past what we've read about in the book of Acts because he never intended just to restore what was lost through the ages. He, his desire and his delight is to do, give us double for our trouble. And I, I believe that we're about to enter into a season of restoration and, and acceleration that will begin to see us manifesting the goodness and the glory of God in signs and wonders and miracles and in a company of people who are kindness personified, who are love personified, who are the goodness of God personified, that the world will know by our love that we are his disciples, that we would love one another with such a rich and real and pure and powerful love that isn't attempted but is a natural manifestation of a people who who are continually looking in the mirror of his face and, and manifesting who they see themselves to be. Oh, that's very exciting. Shakalaba. Are you still awake? Are you very cold? You live in Melbourne. You should be very cold. It's very cold here. Hallelujah. Well, doesn't matter because God's here. Hallelujah. <laughs> We're going to pray for a few people. But before I do that, I just want to give you an opportunity tonight. If you're here and you know in your heart you haven't received Christ as the one who gives you new life. The Bible says that Jesus was slain for the sins of the whole world. But it's a divine invitation waiting for your response. God wants to give you a new life, a new heart. You cannot be joined to God and not be perfectly righteous and you cannot achieve righteousness by your efforts so Jesus needed to come when we open our hearts and we say I need you I need your salvation I need your righteousness I receive it by faith the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord you will be saved the heart of the Father is that you'd respond to him and say, yes, I need salvation. Yes, God, come and make my crooked places straight. I want to exchange my life to receive your holy life, your divine life, your eternal life. If that's you today and you say, yeah, I want, I want to respond to the mercy of Christ. I want today to be the day that I join him, that I give my life to him. I'd love to pray for you. Is there anyone here today? Never like to miss a meeting without giving an opportunity. Is there anyone here that says, yeah, that's me? I'd love to pray with you. Well, I pray that you can bring them out tomorrow night. Chris will, Chris will 
reel them in because God loves nothing better than to see people connecting to his heart, to be, to be saved, hallelujah, for eternity. It's a real thing. If only we understood. If only we could see from an eternal perspective. I think about it because I think, you know, if I were a parent who'd, who'd had a child abducted when they were young or at birth, and they didn't know that we were looking for them. We, they had a family. And then one day one of my friends found them on the street and then came to me and said, I saw your child on the street. I'd be there going like, oh, did you tell them that we're looking for them? Did you tell them they have a family? Did you tell them? And can you imagine if that friend came back to me and said, well, you know, I just didn't feel, I didn't want to make them feel uncomfortable. I didn't want to embarrass them. I didn't. That's actually how he feels. That's how the Father feels. It's much more real to me today. Those people, when they reached out to Jess, they did it to me. But there's people out there, they don't know that the Father's looking for them. You don't know. You don't know how long they've got. Heaven and hell is real. And God has made a way for them to be eternally saved. He has, a, he has love for them to experience like they've never experienced before. But unless someone tells them. What a privilege to be ministers of reconciliation. This gospel is not just about us feeling good. It's about the whole world experiencing the love of the Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.